Today is Chafhei uh, Iyar, May 19th, the 40th day of the Aymer. So we are getting, uh, we are getting pretty close to Shavuos over here. Right. And today is here in the virtual Hollywood, Shtibol, Dafyaymi, Shia Room, and we are up to the two dots, a couple of lines. Yesterday we got a couple of lines down, and I invited Ahmed uh, Aleph. I'll just, uh, I'll just start again from the top line of Ayin Dalad Ahmed Aleph 74a. Says the Gemara, Another category which should have been included in the 39 malachas of the Mishnah on one blot ago should have been Katisha type of uh, crushing where you remove the shaft of the grains or of anything. Um, Rashi says that in the Mishkan, they had to make dyes from different uh, grass or plants, and they had to take off the uh, peel. So they did this form of katisha, of crushing, of removing the peel of the items that were used in the dye-making process to create the dyes for curtains or different uh, parts of the mishkan. If that's the case, certainly it should have been included in the 39 in the category of, in 39 locks. Amr Abayes, it says the Gemara, second line down. The mission at the end of the day was playing a delicate balance. Number one, we were trying to list all the violations, all the malachas, all the things that the Torah teaches us are considered a malacha. are considered a malacha, uh, an, an actual act of work. At the same time, we were really looking for things which are essential in the food or bread making process. Katisha is not essential as you can make whole wheat bread where you don't remove anything from the grain. Rav Amar, Rav gave a different explanation. Hamani, Rebihi. This Mishnah is Rebbe who learned that there was a specific amount of Malachas mentioned in the Torah from the word Ela, which is 39, the Gematria 36 plus its three letters. And therefore, you, the Mishnah could not have taught us 40 Malachas. And if we would have included this act of removing the shaft or removing the peel, and we would have had too many malachas. So Gemara questions Rava, says, very good. So you're telling me that you couldn't have more than 39, but you're not telling me why Kaitish was not one of those 39, and let another malacha fall out of the Mishnah. Rava retracted and agreed with the opinion of Abai, the reason why Katisha is not mentioned in the Mishnah is because the Mishnah is both teaching you what defines work on Shabbos based on the definitions of the Torah by the Mishkan, by the building of the Mishkan. And at the same time, we are also looking at the Sidura, the Pas, the order of bread making, things which were not essential to make bread, we did not include in this Mishnah. says the Gemara, by the two dots, about seven lines down. If you had in front of you different types of foods, so this is the famous mulacha of bayer, of separating. Um, so if you, uh, uh, Rashi takes out, Rashi has a slightly different dirsa. Rashi says, uh, 
not actually our girsa. Rashi had a different girsa, which he changed for our girsa. So you have different types of foods in front of you. This Brisa says, it's very written very cryptically, and I'll just translate it, because the Gemara itself will ask, what does that mean? So, separate and leave the rest. Don't do, do not separate. But if you separate it, you have to bring a carbon chat. It says the Gemara, um, nine lines down. My Ka'amar, what on earth does that Brisa mean? So Ula gave the following interpretation. One may, when it comes to food, one may actually separate the food you want from the food you don't want, or vice versa. At this point, we didn't make any difference. But you can separate foods as long as you're doing it to be eaten that very day on Shabbos. And you can do and for that for later on that day. But if you're doing it for tomorrow, for after Shabbos then one may not do And if doing so, you'll be Chatos. So Rav Chizda said, is that really true? Is that what we know about Hukha Shabbos? That as long as you're doing the act for that day, it's permitted. Now, in fact, by Yomtev, by cooking and baking on Yomtev for that day, one may do it. But Shabbos, there's no such exception. So why should Bayer be any different? Why should we say that separating foods into things that you want or don't want should only be a problem if you're doing it for after Shabbos? Where in the Torah does it say that? So the Gemara refutes that explanation of the Brisa of Ula. Amr of Chizda, Chizda comes along and gives his own explanation. So if Chizda said there has to be that it's referring to a minimum amount. Um, if it's uh, less than a gregris, the size of a fig, uh, it, so Rav Chizda wants to say that that must be the explanation over here, that, uh, that that must be the explanation, that you're allowed to do barer up to the share, the amount, um, and somebody who did barer less than the share is, is, is exempt from any punishment, and if they did it, if it was the right, if it was more than a gregress more than this uh, a date or a fig. So now the truth is that uh, is there such a thing that on Shabbos you're allowed to bake a little bit as long as it's less than the size of a, uh, of a, of a share of a gregris, of a, of a date or a fig. So there's no mention in the creator of that exception of that heter. It says the Gemara, I endowed Amr Aleph halfway down. Ella Amr of Yasef. Ella Amr of Yasef. So there has to be a different explanation to this purpose, to this uh, confusing brisa. Ella Amr of Yasef. One may, what the brisa meant to tell you the, the case where one may do Bayer was talking about where you did it with your hand without a tool. And uh, therefore, it's per- the, the price is telling you it's permitted. However, um, however, uh, if you do it, that's what they're if you do it with types of tools which sift different types of sieves and sifting instruments, so then that would be uh, a problem. The imbirur pater avalasa. And if you did it with those, it's still not a chatas, it's still not a deraisa. But nafa, but kibra, but other types of sifters, 
um, which are uh, even more uh, who are, which are even more of a, a malacha of refining of separating the good from the bad on Shabbos. And those don't actually be a chatos. So Rav Yasef came up with a wild explanation. Now it's true he rejected Rav Chizda's explanation that it has to do with the shear. And Rav Chizda was rejecting Ula's explanation that the Bryson meant to say, differentiate between separating for that day and the next day. But Rav Yasef really comes along and says the differences in types of birds that you're only chayav achatas if you used a fine tool, a fine sifting uh, implement. Mahaskadvar of Hamnuna, Rav Hamnuna right away jumps up. Midi, Kanoin, Vitamche, Katani. In our Brysa that we read, right at the two dots, about 10, 15 lines up, all we said was, we didn't mention any type of tools or implements. So don't now try and reinterpret the Brysa. The Bryce is coming to differentiate between whether you sifted it by hand or you used a medium type of sieve and separator or you used a very elaborate one that sifts into fine pieces and separates it. There's nothing, there's no mention of that in the Bryce. Elohim Revam Nuna. So, what Revam Nuna gives his own explanation. If a person does wants to separate while they're eating on Shabbos, you're allowed to take the oichel, the good, from the peel, from the bad, from the inedible items. And one may separate the good from the bad, but not the bad from the good. And if you did so, so if Hanuna comes up with an explanation without that you don't need uh, you don't need to uh, edit the Mishnah as much as the other explanations. Maskifla Abaye Abaye was still not satisfied. Midi Does the Brisa actually make that difference the differentiation between separating the 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 from the psilas? Uh, it doesn't doesn't say anything about the psilas. All it says is So Abaye is not Now what's interesting about that was um, the the last yeah okay each one is asking a question on the other one, but uh, on the previous answer. But to be honest, they they each so far have given an answer which also requires a step away from the basic reading of the Brisa. El Amr Abaye, You may do Bayer if you're going to eat that item right away, you can separate. But if you're going to eat it later that day, not right away, um, then you can't do Bayer. Rashi explains, the difference is that if you do butter on food that you're putting into your mouth, that's actually not the derech. We don't call that separating. That's the way you eat. That's not the, the way you separate. The way you separate would be you prepare a large amount of food in advance and you separate the good from the bad at the time of the preparation of the food. But if it's at the time that you're sticking the food into your mouth that you're eating already, we can say that that's not called uh, that's not called bira. That's called uh, uh, eating, not food preparation. In bira, don't do it for later on that day. In bira, if you do it for not for if you separate food, not for immediate consumption, that's like you're doing it to store it. The chayev chatas, and that's the pro, the prohibited act of separating on Shabbos. So they're different. Uh, we already now sound like this is already more familiar to our halacha, these last two explanations. Amru Rabban Kameda Rabba. So the Rabbanan came to uh, Rabba and they said over the, this answer of Abaye. Amaluhu and Rabba said, Shapra Amanachmeni. Nachmeni is uh, referring to Abaye. He said, he's, uh, Rabba said, I agree with Abaye. He said, well, 
um, it's interesting that uh, like they came, Abai Rava argue all the time. At the end of the day, the halacha is like Rava for the most part. And here, like, I don't know, they came to him for like a haskama, it almost seems like. And uh, Rabbi said, yeah, that is, um, that is correct. To do like, to do like Abaye. Uh, here, how you the fun of? Shnei mine eichlis. The Gemara discusses the following question of Bayre. How you the fun of shnei mine eichlis? The person had in front of them two kinds of food, and he did borer to eat or to leave it. It's considered acceptable. Ravashi masni potter. Ravashi said it's not mutter, it's not like you should do it, but you're potter. said, that you're chayev. Ravashi masni potter bahatani chayev. How does he uh, how does he reckon to explain it? His brisa that uh, your potter we learned in the in the end we learned that you're chayev. Like Kasha um, in in our uh, in our brisa like Kasha habe knayin v'tam v'koy habe nafu v'kivra. So Ravashi went back. To the previous answer we gave on our uh, Mishnah, that the time that we said that it's forbidden to do barer for immediate consumption is with some sort of uh, separating item, some sort of instrument that uh, separates. But if you do it with your hand, then it's uh, then it's pot. Yeah, so, uh, so that was the uh, that was the resolution to understanding the answer that the Gemara gave previously according to Rava and Abaye, as well as understanding the Brisas, as well as understanding the Brisa according to Ravashi. So at this point, we've mentioned several points which do trickle down to Halacha Lamaisa, um, which is uh, that if you do Barer, it has to be on food, it has to be separating the good from the bad, and it has to be for immediate consumption without any specific tools or implements. It says the Gemara the following story. Ravdimi came along and told us the following story. That one week, it was the week of Rav Bibi. Rashi, the second wide line down on the right-hand margin, teaches us, It seems like the Rabbeim had to uh, rotate whose uh, Shabbos it was to have over the Talmidim. I don't know if they were serving them Shabbos party, but uh, very often we find the Gemara that uh, the Shiurim were actually took place on Shabbos, Shabbos was not like today's yeshiva where the kids go home on Shabbos, but rather Shabbos was a very much a day of learning. And the Talmidim were, uh, I guess, I think the way I understand it is, each Shabbos a different Rebbe had the students over to come and learn by him. And uh, they served them some type of refreshments. It says the Gemara, Shada Kameo Kilko the Peri. And he uh, he had a basket of fruit, and the fruit was still uh, mi- mixed in or attached to the leaves. And instead of handing out the fruit, which was the normal fashion that the Rebbe would hand out, like a Mamashak Shabbos party where you hand out to each kid a few uh, pieces of nash, but instead he, uh, he, he put the basket in front of them and he didn't remove the, the leaves or the stems. I think the way I understood it was that he kind of, uh, he uh, dumped out the basket. Uh, and Rashi explains that when he dumped it out, so it avoided, the, the fruit separated from the leaves on their own, and it avoided 
the, any possibility of any Shailah of Bayre. It says the Gemara, four lines, five lines from the bottom. And I don't know why he couldn't just give them the fruit because he held that would be Bayre to take, even when you're taking the good from the bad. Or it was his intention to give in a very generous uh, manner. And I guess when you, you know, like you fill the whole table with uh, fruit, it looks like you're, uh, looks like you're being very generous with Tamidim, like to show them here, take as much as you want. You don't have to just take one fruit. Now they always say, oh, when I was growing up, things were very strict and uh, the kids didn't just get rewards so easily. You had to work very hard. And even then maybe you got one item or two items but here, according to this Kamara, the Rebbe took a basket of fruit. Okay, it was only fruit, but that was the treat of the day. And he uh, poured it out in front of the Talmidim as if to say, please take as much as you want. And maybe that's giving us a hint. If you want kids, come on Shabbos and learn and be part of shul. You have to give them ba'ayin yafa. It can't just be one treat uh, doing everything perfect the whole day. There has to be a reward that the kid could feel that he's getting as the Talmudim could feel that there's Ravchas, there's this tremendous supply. Obviously, if it's going to be candy, you might have some issues. Chizkiah Amar. Chizkiah, three lines to the bottom, says the following case. If somebody uh, separates this type of uh, beans, from its shell, from its tumas, um, somebody soaked them and they separate them on Shabbos from their shell. So then the chayev, the chayev, I assume it means chayev achatas, that's considered boirer midaraisa. So leima kasava chizkia oichum te psoilas aser. Gemara has a difficulty with that. You didn't do anything wrong. We mentioned earlier that we have a brisa that we interpreted to, to teach us that the acceptable form of bayer and Shabbos is where you're taking the good from the bad. As a Gemara, that's true. Of course, Chizki is not arguing with that brisa. Shani Tormusim, but these type of kidneys, uh, lupines, I don't know what exactly the, what type of, uh, some, some type of kidneys, uh, like a, um, which is very bitter. There's a Rashi in Bea which says that these are very bitter things. So it says the Gemara, last line, Shani Tumasim, the Shalkilai Shiva Zimni. Tumasim are different. If you just boil them a little bit, they still remain bitter. But rather, um, you have to boil them sometimes and then immediately remove the shell. And if you didn't remove the shell, so then. Uh, then it causes the whole food to become uh, bitter and, and rotten. So at the time that you're uh, at the time that you're taking out the good from the bad, what in fact you're doing is preventing it from becoming bitter. And therefore it's at the moment considered, I guess, like it's really bad from bad and not the good from the bad. So this is a very, uh, it's, it's a, uh, something which the even the good part of the fruit um, but it's at the moment that you haven't separated yet it will taste bitter so that you can't say that that's the that's the way I understand it that uh, it was like a chumrah that we treated it like the entire amount even the good part was yet to be called the edible part because at the moment it was attached to this bitter shell and it in fact itself was becoming bitter and therefore it's not considered to be So So that was butter. What was So you were saying it's the solas me talk the So therefore it's okay. And therefore it was us and therefore it was us. Because okay. Um that's it, yeah. 
Mafaya, that, that's how Rashi learns. But it's a chum, Rashi is machmir in Aleha. It's like a chumra. We didn't, uh, that, that was the first explanation that Rashi gives. Um, so something like that, whatever that was, has to be done before Shabbos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So even things which, things which, when they're, uh, things which get ruined from the shell, the shell causes them to become bitter, it would be considered bitter to uh, remove them on Shabbos from their shell. Now we move on to the next melacha from our mission of Ahatoichin and the one who grinds on Shabbos. So we're actually going through the list now of Lamatas Malachas, and we that was the conclusion of Bayer somebody who grinds. Omer of Papa. So the one who does a uh, um, it, I would have thought it says the paris, but Rashi says very clearly the parim. Um, somebody who chops up a silka, very fine. Somebody who, uh, who uh, beats, who chops up beets into uh, little pieces, would be chayiv for grinding on Shabbos. So that's a slight chiddush of Papa. That grinding doesn't just mean mamish cutting up into fine flour, but even to cut up a beet into um, into pieces. Small pieces would be taich. Amr of Menashe, Haiman the Salah Silti, the one who, if Menashe taught us, the one who chops wood into silas, like into um, sawdust, Chayiv Mishim Taichin, that is also called grinding on Shabbos. Amr of Ashi, Ikapid Amishchasa Chayiv Mishim Ravashi said that if you're cutting the wood to a specific size. Let's say you wanted the wood chips to be three millimeters and you were measuring even in your head, but you're cutting, cutting up the pieces into a specific size, that would be considered mechatech, cutting for a specific size. And of course, we know one of the most familiar cases we have with cutting into a, familiar, a specific size is our perforated items like perforated toilet paper, on Shabbos, people don't cut it because it's mechatech. You're cutting it into a specific size uh, that's predetermined by the manufacturer. Says the Gemara, Ayin Dalad Ahmed Beis, two dots, uh, six lines down. Halashva Oifer. So we're moving straight along to the Malacha from grinding into uh, kneading and baking. So it's very interesting because we know ultimately there's a tremendous relationship between what is permitted and what is forbidden to be, to be done on Shabbos based on what was considered a primary malacha, a form of work in constructing the Mishkan, in building the tabernacle. Yet, our Mishnah takes a list of 39 malachas that we learn out of the Mishkan and starts teaching you what's permitted and what's forbidden when it comes to making bread. Now, the Mishnah, what we, the way we understand it, is trying to balance a practical way to teach people. You want to teach people Hilchah Shabbos, you have to teach them how it's practical in their lives. And not what, and then you can explain to me why it's forbidden because it resembles the exact actions that were taken in the Mishkan. But at the end of the day, the Mishnah could have taught at me both things which are familiar to us because we they're the process of cooking, and and yet also correspond to what was performed in the Mishkan. And that's what Papa's complaint. So again, Amr of Papa we abandoned the actual malacha of cooking, which was performed for, to make dyes. They had to boil up these uh, roots or whatever it was that they cooked the spices, they cooked different things in the Mishkan um, to, to create the curtains and for different things. Why is that not the prime example 
of cooking and state and taught us in our Mishnah as such. And the Gemara says, the Gemara, Tanididon, Sidur, the past, Naka. Our Tana is not following the order of the uh, Mishkan. Our, our Tana is following the Malachas of the Mishkan, but in how a person would make bread. And that's why we started off with plowing, because that ultimately, in order to make bread, you have to uh, plow the land first and plant. And of course, we know there's a fantastic book for children. I don't remember the ti- name of the title, where you know the the rooster, the hen wanted to bake bread. You have to start. The farmer has to start. You start with the farmer, and if nobody helps, then the person who did all the work will eat it themselves. So, so I want to teach you a little sedur de pas how bread is made. Amr of Achabar of Avira, as follows. The Gemara goes on to the following case. Haiman the shoda sichseli tuna chayev mishom mevashal. That if a person puts a sichsa, uh, uh, which is like a, a, a peg or something which is, um, Rashi says, yated lach, a wet peg to dry off in the oven. I'm not sure if you're trying to harden it or just dry it off, but it's not something you're going to eat. That's also considered a form of uh, bishel. Now, is that's considered cooking, uh, even though you're not going to eat it. Says Pshita, of course, anything which you heat up in a fire would be considered uh, cooking on Shabbos. So that doesn't just pertain to raw food, but any item which benefits from the, being in a hot oven on Shabbos would be a case of the malacha uh, of cooking on Shabbos. What about maka the kapatish or maybe uh, um, uh, some other uh, reason? Rabbi Saif is, is, is on the ball over here. He's getting to the crux of the issue over here. I now, can't play tennis, so I have to be on the ball somewhere else. You are. Ah, so let's see what the Gemara's answer is. You know what the Chiddush is? We just heard that word, right? Makabapatish and mana. You're 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 fixing something. You're completing something. That even though your uh, intention was not to uh, to strengthen it, but even though your inten- your intention was to. Uh, it was not to strengthen it because it doesn't get one doesn't get it doesn't get stronger till afterwards. Then Ravach is coming to teach you that uh, the Mirpurafi Bahadur Kamit. So this gets back to the category that the Saif just mentioned of Makabapatish. Now what's the Khidish over here? The Khidish that where he was teaching us is that right now when you stick it in the oven, maybe later on you want the effects of that heat, but putting a wet peg in the oven will actually, in the beginning, it will soften it. It'll heat it up and it'll soften it, and then eventually it gets hard. And therefore, you would think that your partner, because your initial action is not makabapatish, is not serving to strengthen the peg, <laughs> use it, rather to soften it. That still it's considered uh, cooking and heating and creating using the heat constructively on Shabbos as the process in order to make a hard wooden item is first you have to soften it up in order to be able to harden it later on. If I remember correctly, uh, many, many years ago, being at a canoe making place and part of a facility in Norwalk, Connecticut, and they showed us how they heat up the wood. They literally heat up the wood of canoes to bend it into the shape, and then they put it in a mold and uh, to make the canoe. So clearly you need softening as part of the process, and you wouldn't say that putting it in the oven is actually not building the wood, is destroying the wood. Rather, that initial softening is part of the Makkah as Rabbi Saif 
pointed out that really the Gemara, it's not just Bishel over here, it's considered like cooking because it's part of the finalizing the wood to be used for construction. Omar Rabba Bar Rav Huna. gave us another case. Uh, that somebody who boils up uh, some sort of uh, cement or pitch, um, so they, again, they're boiling it up in order to, uh, they're boiling it up in order to use it. Zephyr, Rashi says, uh, so, uh, that of course, that's considered cooking on Shabbos. It's not food, and it doesn't have to be food to be considered cooking. That's obvious. That's how you use, that's how you use pitch, right? You uh, boil it up, you make it soft, and then you uh, coat things with it. Since, at the end of the day, you don't want it to remain soft, it's going to harden up after you take it out of the oven, you might think that's not called bishol, as uh, it's something which becomes hard and becomes soft. The mashmalan, even so, it's considered that uh, it's considered cooking, even though it starts off as a, as a, it ends up the same hard substance as it began. Where you can contrast that to food. Once you cook food, you cannot uncook it. And if you burn food, you cannot unburn it. It's burnt forever. You live with the consequences. Whereas pitch, it seems like it goes back to the state that it started in as a hard state. Still, that was the Chiddush of Rabbi Huna that it's still in the category of forbidden malacha, of things which are not allowed to cook on Shabbos. Amr Rava. And this will uh, also talk about this overlap, which Rabbi was the first to point out to us. The Gemara kind of was a little sneaky over here. The Gemara, we're talking about Bishal over here. We're not talking about Makabapatish. However, there's many cases of Malacha where you're doing Bishal, but you're also doing Makabapatish. And that Gemara, Rav will now teach us an extreme case. Haiman, the Abid Chavisa, the one who builds a Chavis, a barrel on Shabbos, Chayav Mishum Sheva Chatois, will end up being uh, violating, being over seven different sins, and if he did it unintentionally, he will have to bring seven different chatas. What are the seven chatas? Uh, uh, well, hold on. Tanura. If he uh, if he built an oven, chayev mishum shmoina chatas. If he built an oven, he'll end up bringing eight chatas. Amr Abaye, Haiman the Abed Chilsa. Abaye said, I can do even better. If you build some sort of Chilsa, some sort of, uh, I have a different, my fancy Gemara over here says, uh, it's some sort, you build some sort of uh, box, uh, some sort of uh, craft, not like Rashi says over here. Chayev Achas Asara Chatars. You're going to be Chayev. 11 different chatois. Uh, and if you, uh, and if you did uh, an action together with, uh, together with you attached uh, something sewn to it, you've added on another two chatois. So just to, Go through a list over here. If you build a barrel, I have a, a what would be your seven chatois? So you would have to grind the dirt to form the barrel. You would have to choose certain, that's a teichen. There would be bayer because you're sifting through the stones of the dirt to use in this barrel. Um, lush because you're kneading the, the mortar that's used to form it. Mechatech because you cut it into a certain size. Uh, you would five would be bayna because you build a mold, you build the shape mold, and then there would be bish uh, havara because you made a fire to the, for the kiln, and uh, bishal when you put the actual material into the kiln. 
So those would be the seven. Um, Abaya had another case of eight, etc., etc. So constructing one simple item on Shabbos could take you through eight, 11, or 13 different malachas on Shabbos. Bottom line is, stay home and read the Yated. That's what it seems like. Don't build the Yated, but read the Yated. Okay, Yated is a peg. Not, uh, this is not an endorsement for any media, and it's certainly not a halachic or hashkafic endorsement. It just, uh, if you're going to have a choice between building items and reading, we know what you're supposed to do. Of course, the best would be to prepare for uh, Josh's Dafyemi share. That would be, of course, what to do on Shabbos. And Goizis, as it says, the Gemara last narrow line, Ayn Dalad Ahmed Beis. Somebody who uh, cuts the, uh, shears the wool um, and, and, and whitens it. Rabbi Bachana taught us the following case. Somebody who, I don't know how they did this, but they managed to uh, spin, spin the wool while it's still attached to the sheep on Shabbos. They're really violating three different violations. One that they did, goizes, uh, they were, uh, as you're twisting the, the wool, some of it gets detached. So that's like shearing the sheep. Um, you're combing the wool and you're spinning the wool even though it's still on the animal. If Kahana, Amar, if Kahana says the opposite, that is not what a normal farmer would do. Most normal people, first you shear the wool off the back of the sheep, and you don't do it on the sheep. Since you're doing it with a shino, you're doing it therefore your putter completely. Says the Gemara Balai, is that true? So the Gemara brought a proof that uh, we saw by Nehemia uh, taught us in a brisa that if you did on top of an animal, you uh, um, they used to wash the goat, the hair on the goats, and they would spin it while uh, into threads while it was still attached to the goats. This is a brisa in that we're going to come to on the Tzadik test. Uh, Rashi says it's coming from Pasuk and Shemais, which we just had, um, but it seems like the Guf and Shalizim, while it was still attached, that people used to do it, while it, was, uh, while it was still attached to the goat, and that was considered a, a normal manner of spinning. So as a Gemara, Chachma Yusei Rashani, that was a certain case where certain, the Torah is referring to certain women who had that Chachma Yisera, who knew how they were able to figure out how, uh, how to spin the hairs of the goat while it was still attached into a, uh, into a thread. But that was not the regular way of doing so. Anytime you have something which is out of the norm which only a particular expert could create that item, you do not have to, that is not called uh, ordinary and therefore it's a shinoi. So if it's something which requires a particular expertise, then it's considered a shinoi. So somebody, the Gemara brings another example over here. If somebody uh, pulls out a feather from the bird's wing on Shabbos, um, if you separate, if you pull out your chayev for goizes, uh, you pull out a feather, it's like you're shearing. If you snip it off, as you trim the wings 
intentionally a certain measurement, and if you uh, pull out, that is considered like you're you're smoothing over the wings, and therefore you're for for making something smooth. It seems to me like Rishlakish is clarifying the brisa that you're not chayev chatas for three chatas for one action, but rather there's three different ways of pulling out feathers from a uh, from a bird, and each one is chayev a different melach. Says the Gemara, the two dots, six lines down. We're up to tying and untying. Shira b'mishkan hechi hava. The Gemara says, where did we find in the Mishkan that they would actually do some sort of knot that would be considered a malacha today? Amarava. So Rabbi answered, Shekain. Uh, uh, Rashi, uh, the Bach changes it to Rabba. Shekain, I'm a Rabba, Shekain Kaishin, the Yisaitis Ayalim, Ayalim, that they would, uh, they, they would tie the tents down to the pegs, and uh, that's, uh, that's the Malacha that we learn out from. So that is the Gemara, that's not fair. Ahu, Kaishin, Aslahatehu. Any time they tied down the tent to the peg, they would tie it down temporarily, and uh, uh, in in a way that it can be uh, in a way that it can be relieved. And that's not a malacha on Shabbos. The only malacha of tying is we tie it permanently. That can't be our source. That if a uh, bias said that if the curtain would rip, so they would sew up the curtains of the mishkan of the tabernacle, and that would be the case. That would be a permanent repair, and that would be the case of kosher that's forbidden on Shabbos. Amalei Rava. What do they? What, what do they mean by almanas lahat? I mean, the the there were certain stops in the in the midbar. Right. They stopped for a few years. They stopped for many years. Um, so what does that mean? I mean, technically, you build a house, and at some point in time, maybe after 50 years, it's going to get knocked down. I, I, I hear. I want to answer. I, I want to answer the question um, that they didn't know when they would be leaving, though. They they thought at any moment it could be on time. Right. They knew. They, they they knew that it could have been the next day that Hashem told them pick up and move. So, uh-huh. so, so unless the tire knows right. The Kavana was that we, 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 they knew for sure one thing. We're not staying in the de- desert forever. Eventually, we're coming right. to Israel. Uh, they didn't know it would be 40 years. They didn't know that even when they got to Israel, it would still be another 300 years till they were settled in the base of Mikdash. Um, uh, so that's, that's my answer, that it, it was tied. I'm asked to untie it the next day or whenever Hashem said to move. Got it. That's uh, that's what I think. Um, so Elam uh, Rabbi, so says the Gemara. Elam Rabbi, she can argue reason is a name of question. I'm like Rabbi Tarats the question. You answered up the question of time. Matir my ikalamema. Where we find an act of untying in the Mishkan to consider it to be a malacha. Uh, and if you'll tell me that the, uh, the, the in the sewing that you talked about that um, that they used to untie and tie leave one knot tied and one knot untied and the stitch work was uneven. So therefore, we in the in doing the stitching, they perhaps left some uh, some threads untied. Imperfect stitch work in front of a regular king would be considered abominable. So you're telling me that when uh, that if they if they found after they did the sewing job, they found one stitch out of place. They would just leave it there, but untie that stitch. 
Uh, you wouldn't do that. You would have to do it all over again for a regular king, certainly for Hashem. So Rabbi rejected Rabbi's uh, explanation. And Rabbi said it must be that the source for tying and untying is when they used to trap the chilazan to make the special dye from the chilazan fish, the tcheles. They would uh, use nets to catch that chilazan fish. And uh, they had to... And they had to make knots and untie the knots after they caught it. So it really comes from the chilazan. It was fishing in the desert? Um, they, when did they catch the chilazan? Where did they catch the chilazan? They had to catch it somewhere. Or it could be that they sent people... Uh, where, did they, where did they catch the chilazan? The, the special fish. Um... That, that's a question, how did they get the chilazan? Uh, so first of all, who said they trapped it? Maybe it was trapped, they bought it from traders. We know, one, we know that there were, tra- there were uh, merchants in the desert the whole time that they bought and sold things with. That's how they got carbonos. We know that they were able to buy things in the desert. So maybe so would have a locha based off of what other people did for them? Is that, it was is that necessary? Possible? Yeah, it was one of the necessary efforts um, it was one of the necessary efforts. I, I, as far as I know, um, it's a general question. You're asking a good question. Where did, uh, where did they find the chilazan fish in the, in the, in the, in the desert? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. It deserves an answer, but, um, all right, the next time I see somebody with blue tits, it's the last thing where they got it from. They for sure. Whatever they got it from, that was not the Chilazan fish. Same, same. All right, never mind. We're staying out of controversy. Okay. Says the Gemara, Hatayfer's third line from the end. Hatayfer states, Fear somebody who ties two knots. If you tie two knots, why did we say, uh, why did you say you're Chayev? Two knots, Rabbi said, will, two, two stitches will not stay uh, tied. Um, and if it's not going to stay tied, then it's not considered a malacha. So when we said that if you tie two, two stitches, we didn't mean you tie two stitches. The stitches will just unravel. We're talking about stitches where you... Uh, uh, Perform two stitches, and you tied it at the end that uh, that it would not come out. But if you just put stitches through to attach something without tying them, it seems like you would not be chayev on Shabbos. First says the Gemara, Kriya b'mishkan mihava, where they are ripping in the mishkan that you should be chayev. What malacha was done in the mishkan, in the building of the mishkan that required ripping? Darna So uh, Rabba and Rabzeira said, yes, there were cases where a curtain uh, would have a hole in it, and they had to fix the hole by tearing the curtain in a, some sort of uniform line, like people do. They, you have to cut it, like when you fix a wall, you have to cut it into a shape that you can repair it. Okay, uh, we'll leave that for tomorrow.